When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, somehow you were able to find the Grow Your Side Business podcast, and I thank you. I'm glad you're listening. You've been sharing, you've been liking, but here's one thing I want to be able to do. We want even more people just like you to find this show. Now, the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review. So if you would do me a favor, leave a review. It literally takes five seconds. We're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platforms. So it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. Just go in, tap in, leave us a review. I would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it. Let's get back to the show. Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you, probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. That's SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. Hey, my name is Chris Williams and you are now listening to the Grow Your Side Business Podcast. I help ambitious employees grow a profitable side business. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, go check out growyoursidebusiness.com where we've got all the content, the tips, the strategies, and more. You're in the right place at the right time and we're here to help you grow a serious profitable side business. Let's listen to today's episode. I want here, I'm like super excited. I met this gentleman in a mastermind and one of the interesting things is this, sometimes we don't understand the power of the people we're standing around until you turn around and say hello. And so, in getting to meet this gentleman, let me give you just a little bit of background on who he is. Number one, um, he's just like you and I. You know, he comes from Deloitte. Yeah, 
big Fortune 500 company from around <laughs> the world, global people who are doing some incredible, incredible things. But as you know here, if you're not already subscribed to Successfully Discontent Newsletter, you should, because he found himself just as that. He was successfully discontent. Yes, he was working at Deloitte. He's got the car, the house, the title, the money, but something was missing. And you know what he found out? He found out that he could actually create a business that he would like to not only work on, but people he'd like to work around and not grow to hate it. Here's another cool part about his story. You're gonna learn a whole lot during our conversation. He did it in a way that I promise you, we're probably gonna find out a lot of his friends probably laughed at, who were also at Deloitte. Because have you ever gotten something in the mail and you were wondering, hmm, this is interesting. This makes me pick it up. You know how we get mail and sometimes we just throw it aside, put it in file 13 and never look at it. But what if you could get something in the mail that literally stopped you in your tracks and made you open it? Yeah, I know it's been a while since you've done that. Well, imagine meeting a guy who is actually responsible for creating custom boxes that are world class. I'm talking about you are looking forward to getting that custom box. In fact, he's helped hundreds and hundreds of different entrepreneurs around the world bring a different level of experience by sending people a box. Maybe you know about this, maybe you don't, but we're going to learn about it today on our interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce the man, the myth, and the living legend, <laughs> Mark Stern. Mark, how you doing, man? Chris, that was the single best introduction I've ever had in my life. So thank you so much. And I am, since we connected at Funnel Hacking Live, I was just like, oh, he gets me. And he gets yeah. the world that I came from, which was, it's, it's so shocking that like, as long as people get like the difference between like corporate versus like the online spaces, like two different worlds. Um, yep. A lot of people that I come across with don't understand that more traditional corporate route. So when we connected, it was like instant like harmony instant. of like, oh, <laughs> you're talking my language in so many different yeah. ways. So I'm excited about this interview. Listen, there's so many things I want to cover, but here, here's why I want to start. Because for a lot of our, our audience, sometimes it seems unbelievable, right? Mm -hmm. So I really want to walk through your story. So let's start here. Before you got to Deloitte, Right. Like, well, we'll get there. Right. But before Mark was Deloitte's finest, before he got there, what was Mark doing? Who, who <laughs> were you before that decision? You know, were you already working a corporate job and just happened to run up on Deloitte? Like, what was your world before you found Deloitte? Yeah. And it's funny because I actually think my story is relatively simple, but I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama, and like everyone else around me, I was like, here's the natural progression to life. You graduate uh, high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you get the job. A few years later, you go back to grad school, and then you get the corporate job and white picket fences, and the rest is history. So I, this was like, this is the path, and that was the only path I knew. And I used to joke and say, like, I don't know how to do things halfway. I go all in on anything that I do. And um, I would use, I used to joke that I was like the poster child of corporate America because um, in high school, I was president of my uh, student body. In college, I was president of my class all four years. Grad school, when I went and got my MBA at Duke, I was also one of the co-presidents of the student body. And so like everything that I did, I had one job from undergrad to business school. It was a dream job and it was exactly what I wanted to do, which was building these experiences. We would build these national marketing campaigns. Um in uh, around uh, Pernod Ricard's products. So think of Absolute, Jameson, Malibu, a lot of your big name spirits. 
we would build an entire marketing experience around the bottle. And so like my whole career, I thought like, I'm crushing it. This is exactly what I should be doing. I would get, I get barely got paid anything, but I didn't care because I was so happy. And even after I got my MBA um, and was working at Deloitte, again, I thought that this was it until I went to a conference that I had no business being at. And this was back in 2013. It was the first time that I got exposed to the online internet marketing space, a different way to um, have a professional career. And I'd never been exposed to that world before. Um, but it kind of, man, if you'd seen me, this the conference was one that Mind Valley put on, a conference called A-Fest. Um, they used to call it Awesomeness Fest, and they stopped calling it that because people were like, they don't love that name. But going to this, I met, I, I, it was the first time I got exposed to the digital marketing realm. And it, it, to some degree, it broke me a little bit because I thought I was on the pathway that was the pathway. And then now I get introduced to a different way to live a fulfilling life. And, um, you know, that was it. It was a battle for years to balance the dichotomy of having just come off of business school in 2012, $165,000 in student loan debt, but this inner desire to want to explore this entrepreneurial spirit that I had. And so that was the biggest struggle I had up to finally 2018 when I finally cut the cord. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So I, I would, I would, I'm curious on this point. Yeah. A lot of corporate people who are very talented, and I'm sure you know some, I mean, super talented in what they do. Unfortunately, we don't always give ourselves permission to think mm. outside of that particular dream. What was it for you that allowed you to give yourself permission to even find, like, how did you even find Mind Valley? Like, what were you curious about entrepreneurship? Like, what was that? Because a lot of people, just won't give themselves permission. They they sense yeah. something or they feel it and they kind of squash it because of whatever is going on internally, whatever whether they be limiting beliefs or whatnot. But what was it for you that gave you a chance to even explore the option outside of what you were achieving successfully in corporate? It's it's such a great question. And really what happened was um, someone at Deloitte recommended a book to me. It was Keith Ferrazzi's Never Eat Alone. The whole premise of the book is never eat a meal alone because you never know what journey like a conversation will lead you on. And I so identified with this book that I started looking up Keith on uh, YouTube because I don't know if you've ever read a book and you've identified with the author and you're like, let me go check him out or her out. And then I would go down this like rabbit hole of recommended videos um, like they have on the side panel on YouTube. And eventually it led me to a video to this conference called AFEST. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because they were like, it's TED Talk speakers in the daytime, Burning Man type parties at night, but it's, and it's always at a five-star location. And it was a bunch of entrepreneurs. And at that time, I tried to reach out to a bunch of my buddies and was like, look how cool this looks is like, we should do this. And they were like, yeah, that's awesome. But um, when push came to shove, none of them, you know, were ready to commit to that. And what had happened to me at that time this was about a year into working with Deloitte. I had a big fitness client in New York. So I was flying weekly up from Austin to New York. And um, when the, when anytime you do a, a client engagement at a big corporate consulting firm like that, you are literally being picked up for me. It was 4.45 AM every Monday, every single Monday, going to the airport, being on airplanes, living in hotels for weeks. And then when you finish an engagement, you just do it again at a different location. 
And when I had finally wrapped up this strategy engagement with this client, um, I lifted my head between projects and was like, I have absolutely nothing to look forward to in life. Like I didn't have a vacation, a wedding, a trip, anything. And there was this eerie sensation that came over me to say, how could I spend so much time working that I literally have nothing to look forward to? Um, and that was kind of when I made a promise to myself that I will never put myself in a position ever again, that I will have nothing to look. We always, all of us should always have something to look forward to, even if it's a weekend getaway or going out for date night. Like we always should have something to look forward to. And that was the moment. This was, uh, May of 2013, this conference, I was like, I need something to look forward to. And I'm booking a ticket to this A-Fest, which was in November of 2013. So it gave me something to look forward to. Um, that was months on end. Um, and that was kind of where that journey started. I did not expect it to be as transformative as it was. I didn't expect it, but sometimes, you know, you fill the pool and you can't justify it and you just go with it. And that was a conference that I had zero friends at. I didn't know anything. Um, at the time I was looking for someone like that was posting to say they were looking for a roommate. I knew no one in anything at all. And it was just this crazy, um, out there experience that no one that I knew in my world would understand or I could really talk about because I don't think people really understood what I, why I was going to this conference in the Dominican Republic by myself. Yeah. Um, but I'm so grateful that I did because, man. Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you, probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to successfullydiscontent.com right now. That's successfullydiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to successfullydiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. You know, you, you talk about this, this, uh, this experience you had at this, this conference. And sometimes I have found that when I talk to a lot of people who've made the, the transition as you have, they tend to struggle with coming back because they've had such a transformative experience. They, they know they're different, but it's hard to put into uh, terms. It's hard. I, I remember for myself, I, I remember uh, vividly sitting in a meeting one day and I had been so busy outside of my day job working on my side business and growing it that yeah. I immediately lost touch with my teammates. We we weren't talking about the same things. They're looking forward to the weekend. And I'm like, it's kind of just another day because I'm ready to get to work. Right. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not looking towards the game. Right. I'm looking towards, you know, I need more time to be able to work on my thing. When did you find yourself successfully discontent? Uh, I actually, it, the second I came back from that, it was like something, it, the way I would describe it is, and, you know, I would say on a scale of one to 10 in the bubble that I was in, 
I was like a nine or 10. I thought I was crushing it a lot more than my peers. And like, for me, I, I, any type of work experience, like I go all in cause I get so excited about it. And then all of a sudden it was like this bubble had burst at this conference and I got exposed to something that I did not know existed. And so you could say the bubble burst or the bubble just got bigger. And on a scale of one to 10, if you're a nine out of 10 and now the bubbles increased to one to 30, a nine out of 30 is very different than a nine out of 10. And so in terms of being successfully discontent, it was like getting bit, but also feeling trapped because again, at that time I was 165 K in student loan debt. And I thought it would be the most irresponsible thing. My mindset was not in the right place. I thought like leaving this corporate job just wasn't like, the, it's the golden shackles. It's the, all my meals, travel, transportation. I had a good quality of life, but I all of a sudden got bit by something that showed me a different way of living. But in, in addition to that, it felt like a very lonely journey because all my friends from business school, all my friends from undergrad, all the relationships I built to that date were wired one way. And I'm all of a sudden on this island by myself getting exposure. And I tried to pull them to this island to show them a different way. But the reality is, you know, until they're ready to embrace it, I can't force it upon it. And then all of a sudden you're speaking almost a different language because I can't force my corporate friends to embrace it unless they themselves are on that journey and are ready to embrace it. And to be frank, a lot of them finally started to embrace it a lot more during COVID when jobs, people were getting let go left and right. Um, and people had to, were forced to play a more digital online game. So it's cool to see some of them now embrace it. But again, I have a friend that talks about the left hand and the right hand. And if the left hand is corporate and the right hand entrepreneurship, it's hard to force someone to speak on the other domain if they're just not mentally there. And so that's kind of where it was like, I felt it deep inside. I tried to pull people with me. They weren't ready for it. And so at times it was just that leap of like, there's something here that is itching at me that I have to keep exploring, even if I go at it alone. And that, yeah. that like mindset, like has been a big foundation all the way down to starting custom box agency and the businesses I've started since leaving corporate America, because the frequency uh, that I've been in a position to say, I see something, you may not see it yet, but just wait because I'll get you to see it. And the second you see it, you can't unsee it. Me as like my first client, me as my first testimonial has been a big thing that I tell a lot of people is you can be your first case study if you can see it and you have the need. And that's exactly how I built my businesses. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. So you know, when you when you think about the relationships that you you've you had, and the ones that you that you've still been able to maintain, mm -hmm. um, what is that journey like as you started to see success in the thing that once was just this idea? What was the journey like with those relationships? Because to your, I liked what the way you put that. You felt alone for a little while. But you knew that's a part of the pro like I, you you can't just not go through that process, right? Um, otherwise, who knows? You probably would still be miserable, right? Um, but what was the journey like? Give us some understanding of of how those conversations probably were a little difficult. Maybe some of them were easy. What was it like as you built your world and got more enthralled with it? But you have the buddies that want to still do the 
same stuff. They're inviting you, but maybe you're having to cancel a lot. Maybe Marcus is not as as available, right, for yeah. the, the normal annual routines as before. How did you navigate that world where, you know, did you have to have some tough conversations and kind of be honest? What, what was that like for you? You know, I don't really think I had to have a lot of tough conversations. I think that what I had to realize, and this was um, one of my biggest breakthroughs, and I think we talked about this a little bit uh, when we connected at, at Funnel Hacking Live, but um, I had such a corporate mindset that as I was shifting and building a business, I was forcing a corporate mindset on a different game. And, you know, this is kind of where like the breakthrough that I had to have was just around corporate versus entrepreneurship. It's like checkers versus chess. Like the game board may look the same. Like it's the same game board. You play checkers and chess on the same game board, but the rules are completely different. And if you play chess with checker rules, you will lose. If you play checkers with chess rules, you will lose. And so this idea of like, what is the game that I'm playing? You know, as long as I understood that, then I was able to navigate it, even if the world and the people that I engaged with just mentally weren't there yet, because I had to get mentally there. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you this, um, there are still people to this day that I can explain exactly what it is I do, and they have no idea, because some of it may be in tune to the game that I'm playing, and they're just playing a different game. And so in that sense, like, it's, it's you know, and the easiest way to put it, I'm from Alabama. Anytime I go back to Alabama and talk with my parents or talk to some of their friends and explain what I do, they don't know anything about the online space. And so it's almost like having a, like having a conversation, they're just smiling and being like, that's great. No idea what you just said, but that's amazing. And so as long as I could embrace that and just understand the game I was playing in the domain, it was so much easier to navigate. Um, but I never really felt the hardest conversations I had to have were mostly with myself trying to realize I'm in this corporate job. I'm, I feel trapped. Um, I'm successfully discontent, which I friggin' love that statement. Um, but it wasn't until I was realizing that what was I doing with all my time off? I was going to conferences. I was joining um, coaching programs. I was buying courses. And finally, I had to take a step back to say, am I truly diagnosing what's going on here? Because going to these conferences and buying these coach, uh, coaching programs or courses, like I had to come to the realization that um, this is like a panacea for the underlining issue, which is really, I'm not playing the game I should be playing. I need to leave corporate and for me, corporate occupied about 95% of my mind. And so, as you know, like, if your brain is always thinking about your job, you don't have the capacity to think about how am I really going to go all in and grow this business. And, like, I was traveling so much that thinking through just wasn't, like, it just wasn't, my head wasn't there. So, having to let that go finally released the capacity for me to get a little bit more creative and clarity on what it is. And so that's what I ended up having to do is I had to quit my corporate job in order to make the space to be able to get the clarity, not having any idea what the what was going to be. Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to successfullydiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, 
information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to successfullydiscontent.com right now. That's successfullydiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to successfullydiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. You know, you mentioned quitting, but Mark, I, I will tell you, corporate identity is a real thing. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, <laughs> I, I embraced my, you know, my corporate identity. I'm sure you did, too. Right. Like it feels good to, you know, to have the title and the and the the stature amongst your your peers or whoever you, you look up to. How how did you let go of the corporate identity in order yeah. to, you know, embrace this? Mark Stern entrepreneur, because I have found that that's one of the hardest and last things that most people struggle to let go of. Yeah. Because to your point, I got $165,000 in debt. This thing has to work because I, I put so much into it. Right. Or, or, you know, I've, I've been here so long. Why would I, you know, jump off the cliff tomorrow? Right. Wh yeah. What was that like for you letting go of that corporate identity? So part of it happened, um, and I can tell you like how like it, it was always something that had been on my mind, and I knew someday, someday I'm going to make this leap. Um, and when you're in that world, you're just going, going, going. You don't slow down. You just it's you're always owned. You're always drinking from the firing hose. You're always traveling. And the time you slow down is between Christmas and New Year's because no one's working, so everyone takes that time off. Otherwise, people really don't take off a lot of time. Um, December twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen. Uh, went to bed at that night, woke up in the middle of the night. And professionally, I was on the verge of becoming a junior partner at Deloitte. It was, it, promotions are predictable in that environment. If you hit the numbers and, um, you know, you meet the criteria, you know, you're going to get promoted. It, I was weeks away from becoming a junior partner in that firm and uh, woke up in the middle of the night, uh, bawling my eyes out. And I had this eerie sensation, which I'd never experienced in my life, that if I don't leave this job. It will kill me. That was the sensation. And I could actually in the months leading up to that, feel my body starting to break down. Um, I was, I was much unhealthier at that point. Cause I felt like every time I get on a plane, I always came off the plane and just felt a little bit weaker. And after that moment, that was like kind of like a wake up call that I needed. And uh, I came back and told the partner I reported to, this was on January 3rd of 2018. I can't explain it. I have to go, but I'm happy. To, this is not a two weeks notice. It's a, let me finish this piece out and um, stayed with the firm from January through May of 2018. Um, because I knew I didn't know what I was going to do, but I needed to make that declaration. And the good thing about a lot of Deloitte, and there's a lot of companies that do this. If you are a high performer and um, you know, you leave on good terms, they'll always welcome you back. So if I decided that entrepreneurship didn't work, they know if I come back and they call you a boomerang, I know what I'm signing up for. But really, I wanted to set the intention that I didn't need to think about coming back because this was, I mean, you have to hold the belief that I will be fine. Um, and the one thing I will say about that corporate identity is even when I left corporate and became an entrepreneur, it took me years to detox enough of corporate out of me in a way that I could start to think differently but the one thing I will always tell people when you leave the corporate world and start a business and become an entrepreneur or build a side hustle, like the most incredible part about this is there's a lot of people who don't have that corporate experience 
So you never are um, starting from ground zero. I tell people you're never starting from the ground zero. Um, you just need to learn how to play a new game and then you layer on your expertise and that's what makes you unstoppable. So the second I realized, oh wait, I have this amazing skill set that I've been building for years. When I learned how to play the entrepreneurship game and the online marketing game, once I layered on that expertise, you know, this is what, you know, my standards are different. The quality of the products that I look like, what I define as success for my clients, it's all different, but it's still holding true to the beliefs that I had in corporate. And that became one of the greatest gifts that I, like one of my greatest competitive advantages was all the things I learned from years of corporate coming into a brand new game. Man, so let's let's talk about this. I I am I'm always uh, intrigued when I see how somebody can. I, I feel like what you've done, and this is just my opinion, <laughs> y'all. He did not pay me to say this, but I feel like yeah. what you've done, you've taken a product that was has become so bland that people just look past it. And you've turned it, you've like turned the prism on it for people to go, well, wait a minute, have you looked at it this way? Right. And to me, you have a bit of a, a what I would like to call a maker's mind. Right. It, it's uh, we, when we had our conversation, you was like, I just like looking at the puzzle because there's certain things that I see yes. in it. When I see it, I'm like, oh, I know how this could work. Right. Yeah. yeah? So um, let's talk about custom box agency, because I just I just find this fascinating. All right. You, you, you know, you're going to leave corporate. Got it. Okay. Right. You know, you're <laughs> sex successfully discontent. Got it. But when the heck did you know I'm going to do Boxes. a box? Like how did, <laughs> help uh, us connect the dots on that one. Yeah. If you had told me when I left, like that you're going to have a business of boxes, I would say you lost your mind. Like, uh, you've, you've lost it now. Um, so a, a lot of how this happened was, um, the first thing I did when I left was I had heard about this thing called a virtual summit and the models evolved in a way that like the old school model, I would never recommend anyone doing, but essentially it's like you build your own conference. And the way that the summit model worked is like there were people were telling me you want to interview 30 to 40 people and um, you leverage it almost as a legion tool. Meaning I have these 30 to 40 interviews that I've done Um if you join the five-day event, you have to give me your email address. And in exchange, I give you access. And each day, there's new speakers. And if you miss any of the speakers, you have to buy like an all-access pass, which is basically like a $47 to $97 offer. And you can unlock all this content. But for me, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can build a lot of content. I can build relationships with all these speakers. I'm brand new to this game. It was incredibly uncomfortable. Um and uh, it, it, the thing that I loved about it was the exposure because um, I came away with thousands of uh, email addresses when I had nothing to start with. It was such a such a great experience. But um, what I hated about the model was it was overwhelming. And there was just so much content. Like no one wants to sit and watch 30 to 40 hours worth of content or me as a litmus. Like I don't want to sit and listen to 30 to 40 hours of 40 different people's perspective all telling me different things that I should be doing. And just took a step back and said, what would I want? And I was like, I just wish people would send me some tools to help me get an outcome faster. Like send me what I need to help navigate this experience. And that was the only thing. So I created a publication because these 40 interviews, I had interviewed these people ahead of time. So that basically you release the recordings during the event. So everything is pre-done before the event. 
And I built this publication called Entrepreneur Elements. And I built this periodic table of all the elements that you need to know as an entrepreneur. And then built this publication that spotlighted the 40 different interviews. So, so every speaker had their own spread. And then I mailed it out and said, anyone who buys the recordings will get this publication for free. And what ended up happening was all the speakers started to show off their spread and they're like this, like being featured in this publication. People who bought the all access pass started to go through it with their Facebook groups. And I was getting all this organic content um, and all these unboxing videos, like, because I had something physical. So it was one of those things that I was just like, okay, this is interesting. I'm getting all this organic traffic just because I tied something physical to a digital experience. And then we tested it again. This was in May of 2019, did an event called High Ticket Online. I didn't want to interview 40 people. I thought that's overwhelming. I only wanted to interview 10 and I built a box experience. And the whole goal of this summit was I interviewed 10 different perspectives on high ticket offers and how you can create your own high ticket offer. But then I built this box set that had a workbook. It turned all the speakers into trading cards. It had everything you needed to start to plan out your high ticket offer just because that's what I would have wanted. And so that was like box zero, but I did a box. It was never meant to be the business. It was a supplement to the business. And the same thing happened. People were getting these boxes. People were doing these unboxing videos. So I had just dozens of these three to seven minute unboxing videos, even though they're all the exact same, everyone wanted to do these unboxings. And that's kind of where it solidified. Okay, there's something that's here with physical that a digital only product can't do. And when we talk about experience, you know, anything online, if it's a digital product, if we're talking about the senses, because you experience through your senses, um, senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, everything you see online that's digital only taps into what you see and what you hear. But when I mail you something, I can up-level it and create a more premium experience by activating the parts you can't activate, such taste and smell, in addition to what you see and what you hear. So that dynamic nature of starting to think about, well, what is it that I want? And I want to get results faster, and I want you to make it easier for me. It just instantly said, okay, anytime I launch anything, a course, uh, if it's a software as a service platform, another virtual event, a physical box will, is a must because of the power of what it's doing. And that simple action like started to it just snowball because then people kept on calling me saying, I was getting calls weekly saying, how are you doing these boxes? To which I'd be like, here's how you do them. But look at what I'm doing in my business. It's all about virtual events. Come hire us for virtual events. And it got to the point that I finally was like, I'm going to launch a challenge that's the custom box challenge. It's just going to explain to everyone what they need to do just so I can buy back my time and focus on my virtual event business. And when I launched this challenge, teaching people how to do it, the opposite happened. People, the challenge took off. People said, I love the challenge, but the difference is I don't want to build my own box. I want you to build it. And this was at the end of 2019, pre-COVID. So the beginning of 2020, decided to build this custom box agency. And the rest is history. COVID happened. My mentor looked at me and said, you have this custom box business and are building a name in boxes. You have this virtual event business. Both are hyper-relevant during COVID when everyone's in quarantine. Um, but he said, and this was the best advice I ever received, you're confusing people because you're half, half of them think you're the box guy. The other half think you're the virtual event guy. Pick one. And I thought about it um, and ultimately decided at a time that virtual events made absolute sense to go all in. Something told me to, that that wasn't the route to go and double down on building out custom box agency and 
the rest is history. The business just started to grow. It was the difference between competing with other virtual event businesses to partnering with them. That one little pivot, um, it made it easier for people to recommend us because now it wasn't confusing. What is it that Mark does? If you want to build out these custom box experiences, go to custom box agency. So it made it very easy for other people to help us win. Um, and really the rest is history. We just started to grow organically, but I will tell you this. We still have not spent a dime on paid traffic. We've been word of mouth. What is what was revenue last year? Last year we did. Um, so this has now been three cycles. So the first year, if you mapped this out, we went from zero to like, I think it was right over a million, maybe 1.1. Okay. Um, last year, we so our second full year, we were about 1.4. This year, we're going to be between 2 and 2.5. Um, and all three years, um, again, we went from zero to a million in a year, uh, word of mouth. So no paid okay. traffic. Um, it's just the goodwill of the quality of product. And um, people know that we don't do sloppy. And this was a, a big thing from corporate is I don't have this mindset that done beats perfect. Because at Deloitte, it was either client ready or it wasn't. And if I truly wanted to create a world-class product, it's not like a digital product that if I need to refilm a video, I can upload a video. When you go print, you either print or reprint. So it's less forgiving, but through the process, because of how we build out these experiences, I like have to force my clients to get clear on what it is that they're asking their customers to do. And in doing so, it increases the quality of the customer journey. It opens up new means to monetize your business. It creates sales collateral that they didn't have. There were all these things that were happening and the word just started to spread that when a box would drop, the number one question people would ask is who did this? Because like for me, if I'm going to put my name on something, I want it to be something I'm proud of. And through that, people just know that there's a certain quality control because these aren't swag boxes. We joke and say swag is stuff without a goal. That's what swag means. Um, these are truly about optimizing the experience to the next level. Uh, and part of doing that is going back to the baseline of what I wanted at the beginning of this journey, which is me as client zero um, give me the tools I need to be set up for success. Just give me what I need. Don't make me run through hoops. Um, and I have so many stories around that. Just like how that simple act of just sending people what they need doesn't need to break the bank. Most of our boxes are between 15 and 25 bucks, but we may do a series of boxes that they receive a whole trilogy of boxes. Um, but there's so many different ways to think strategically about reimagining the role that physical and digital can play when you bring them together. Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. That's SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. You know, yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's that's where I want to go. I, 
listen, the world is becoming more digitized the second that we sit here. It's, you know, twice as big as it was a moment ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's, you know, to everything has a cycle, but I think we're in this nuanced space with technology that we've never been here before. But there are some things <laughs> oh, yeah. that are still true. And I, I, so I'm curious as to when you look at the numbers, when you look at the stats, when mm-hmm. you look at the industry of physical products, what do you see in the future, five, 10 years from now, when you look at like, because I love the point that you made, like, and I never would have thought about it, but I would have thought, heck, during COVID, you know, nobody wanted things physical because we're all, you know, <laughs> worried about whatever, right? And and here, yeah. here you show up with, with with a world class, you know, opportunity for people to not only be able to engage and learn or whatever it is the thing that they purchase digitally. Where do you see the next five to ten years of 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 those who are building the digital side of their their business and and looking to grow? What is some of the things that Mark is screaming from his soapbox going, if you don't pay attention to these things or do these things from a physical standpoint, you're missing out. What What is that for you? So I think the biggest disruption that we're primed for right now is courses. Um, I think there's a stigma right now associated with courses and creating courses. And when I say courses, the data, what it says is we know that that's a growing industry. By 2025, courses are going to be $325 billion industry, a massive, massive industry, big opportunity. But we also know that the data shows us that average course completion rates is 3%. So where if we know the course completion rates are 3% and we know it's a growing category, how are you going to win? Well, to me, like, again, this is putting my corporate hat back on to say, this is something that is ripe for disruption because how do you make a better course? You have 3.1% completion rate. You have 3.5. Whereas I would say that's not success. That's not looking successfully at something. And why is it that completion rates are so low? And part of it is that uh, the the amount of courses in the market and the amount, the fact that there's billions of pieces of data that are getting uploaded. Now with AI, it's just going to get more intensified. Content's going to become more readily available. The more you get AI automation to pump content out and AI starts replacing workforces, you're going to see even more content get available. And the problem is even though there's going to be so much content, there's going to be amount, a significant more amount of saturation when we're talking about digital-only content. What is an easy way to stand out? This is kind of where bringing physical and digital provides a new opportunity. So rather than calling it courses, I'm seeing a lot more people call using the terminology um, immersion experiences. And the difference is it's a new opportunity because I can send you something physical that complements something digital. And in in addition to how you gamify that process, now if I send you something physical, I can gamify the process in a very, very different way. So gamification, what do I mean by that is gaming tactics, you know, think about when you play a board game, what are the elements of a board game that keep you invested or keep you coming back to playing it again? And think about those, think about video games. What is it about video games that keeps us playing or how they layer on the music with the experience, with the education to keep us going, to keep playing. How do we start to take some of those elements and incentivize behavior in the right capacity for people to go through our products and services? So I'd like to say my big hope and vision is that having something physical tied to something digital is going to be so synonymous that anytime someone is launching something new, a business center is like, and what is our physical strategy? Just like, you know, an iPhone, I can have an iPhone without a case and it'll function just fine. 
But I like to consider boxes. My goal would be the boxes to businesses are like an iPhone case to an iPhone. You know, you can be fine without the case, but the second you add the case, it extends the lifetime. You can personalize it. It protects it a lot longer. Um, there's just a lot more benefits that you just don't think about getting an iPhone or any type of um, smartphone without some type of case. That is how synonymous that I want the boxes to be with every single business is you don't even think twice about spending an incremental more to giving people the tools they need to be set up for success to get results faster. So that's how you can extend lifetime value. This is how you can increase results and get more success and testimonials from people. You can stage and gamify all of it. Um, and people are looking for those new opportunities. So that's kind of where my head goes for the next five to 10 years is, um, you know, I think that the pendulum was very far left in terms of physical products in the nineties. You would buy something on the television, you call, um, uh, you'd see an article in the back of an ad in the back of a magazine and they would mail you a box or DVD set in the mail. Then the pendulum went to digital. And now I think you're finding this equilibrium of digital only with 3% completion rates shows that there's a lot of opportunity that it's just for improvement. What happens when we bring these two worlds together, how we did things before and how we're doing things now to reimagine what that experience can be like. And that's kind of where we're having a lot of fun. That's to me where I believe things should be heading. Um, yeah. Man, I tell you, you brought back memories because if I only knew when I dialed that Time Warner number for those 10 CDs, what my life oh, was going to be like. <laughs> I am just as guilty. Columbia House. It was funny. I was just talking to someone about Columbia House and I think I was a kid and it was like in the back of the parade magazine that uh, would come every Sunday. And I think as a kid, it was like one cent. And I think I actually took One cent. That was it. And shipped it off. And then my parents like at this box and they were like, I was a, probably in elementary school. Um, and they were like, what did you do? <laughs> I got in trouble because uh, I started a Columbia House subscription. That's it right. Not Man, that was, that was the times. Well, so, so let's, let's go here. You know, you, you talked about kind of this, the increase in the long-term value, uh, you know, of a customer, you know, a lot of times, when you think about the way the the business, uh, there, there's two versions. There's the way you want the business to go, and then there's the way it just goes. And then you mm -hmm. have to ride that train a lot more times than you being able to steer it a particular way. In your case, you were doing virtual events thinking, that's it. And then this custom box thing is like, nope, this is the way you're going, right? Yeah. I love the way you, you phrase the fact that instead of competing, you became... Uh, a, a collaborative type business, so you can collaborate with these entrepreneurs, these coaches, these virtual these virtual events. Yeah, um, I believe personally over the next several years, collaborations are going to be the the key to mm -hmm. having real sustainable businesses. I, and and I'll give you a good example. I the first time I saw, I'm an NBA fan, so the first time I saw superstars coming together late nineties and going to win a championship. I'm like, actually, that actually works. I know people get mad and upset, but Hey, that thing kind of actually works. Then you started looking at all these individuals in the, in the online space. Tony Robbins is great, but man, when he got with a Dean and he got with some other people, they like, it just changed what was happening from what the perceived value in a sense of what was being provided for, when I look at what you're doing with this custom box piece, like 
Nobody's on stage screaming, Mark Stern. What they're saying is, hey, here's our product. And then they find out about Mark because they, oh, wow, I got this thing in the mail. This is awesome, right? What <laughs> does collaboration look like for you going yeah. forward? As more and more, you know, like just like anything else, there's going to be competition. There's going to be people trying to find their own way to do it. But what does collaboration mean for you going forward? And how do you continue to stay top of mind and present as you as you continue to grow and reach your goals? Such a great question. So collaboration for me, it's uh, when I think about the role that I play, um, part of what I think my role is, is um, a lot of our, we call our clients our partners. Um, we don't want a transactional relationship. We want a strategic relationship and we want to be able to plug into their business in a way. And this is the capabilities we built. We can help people from strategy we can build out the entire blueprint of whatever that campaign is. And then we have a warehouse in Austin, Texas. So we can um, send the entire campaign into production. We can um, assemble it and have it ready to ship and handle that entire process. So one stop solution for clients, which means I can plug into their business and now unlock this entire physical capability. So that's one thing is that you don't need to figure out the capability. We have that. And this is kind of why, and I would say this to anyone listening to this, a lot of people keep talking about, and I see a lot of people about building more and more courses. And I would say start building more and more capabilities. And what I mean by a capability, not a course, is that when you have a capability, it becomes a strategic advantage. So for me, um, you'd be shocked to hear this, but there's lots of software that all of us could build where you can have your own software platform that produces monthly recurring revenue for under $1,000 to build out the platform. Um, so that was a mind-blowing thing that I didn't know until someone showed that to me, but that becomes a capability. So we have our own, uh, some of our own software that becomes a competitive edge because I can offer that to you. We have our warehouse in Austin, Texas. Um, that's a capability because a lot of people don't have that capability. We also have um, a brand new product we're about to launch. It's a, uh, it's a card deck called Activate. I think I showed you a little glimpse of it. Um, so that's coming down the pipeline. Don't, don't give away the sauce. Things. Don't give away the sauce. We're not, we're not giving away any sauce. The sauce will be another conversation, but like at the very least, it's going to open up this marketplace, which now for me to be able to say, Hey, Chris, come present to there. Now that's a competitive edge that I'm like, look at this entire marketplace that you have access to. So the idea of capabilities, I mean, we rented out an office space in Austin that has become what we call the CBA lab, a place for people to come down to Austin and immerse themselves in our world. But even for collaboration, I see my role is you don't know what you don't know. And that's true for all of us. I don't know what I don't know. But what I know in my domain, typically most people aren't thinking about it because they're only thinking about digital and how do we do this with digital. When I can unlock the potential of how to do this blending digital with physical, all of a sudden you just see the lights go off that clients are like, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that we could do that. And I keep telling clients, hey, if it's ever been done before, the amount of, like, I am such a kid of the 80s and the nostalgia of so many things that I get inspiration from were things from my childhood that when you go in the CBA lab, like, you'll see on display things that I get inspiration from that have influenced my business. But in terms of that collaboration piece, it's, it's a good strategic partnership. You're right. We can all grow together. But I also hold a belief that other people hold the keys that can unlock new success in you. So as long as I hold that belief that I, and I, and I actually just gave a presentation on this, the simple act of, I genuinely want other good people to win. And therefore I have to assume other good people want me to win. So as long as I can uh, assume that kind of law of reciprocity, um, when you put out value and pr provide value to other people, it will come back to you. But I can't tell you how many times I've gotten stuck. And when I do it by myself, 
Like I get nowhere. But the second I start telling people, here's where I'm stuck. And I know there's a block there. Somebody has that key that they just turn it and it unlocks it. And all of a sudden um, that element of collaboration, I think is just so critical because this should not be a, play, a game that you play by yourself. And the other thing I'll say on this is um, you can still my business. You can still the entire model of my business, but at the end of the day, you are not me and I am not you. And in that sense, even if you take my business model, you don't know the history and the background and have the experience and the exposure. And so part of that is just this mindset around, we like competition because it helps grow the category and bring awareness to the category, but people are smart and they'll do their due diligence and they'll figure out the right fit of who they should collaborate with. Um, and if it's me, wonderful, but if it's not me, it may not have meant to be and there's a better fit for them and that's okay. And so that sense of like, I would tell people to share your ideas because how many people have a business that's similar to what you're already thinking about doing the difference is they're not you. And as long as you get this idea of they're not you, they can't compete with you because you don't have their brain and they don't have your brain. Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to successfullydiscontent.com right now. That's successfullydiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to successfullydiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. Mm, that's no a point. great point. Um, we're going to wrap up on these last two questions. I have, awesome. I have, uh, friends. I have, uh, people who, who listen to the show. I have followers and, and people that I, that I talk with who are all like, yes, I, I want to build this business. I want to build this. And, and the way I talk about it, Mark is, is I teach people that there's not a lot of people who are just willing to jump ship and just jump off the cliff because they haven't yet learned the skill set yet. They haven't understood, to your mm -hmm. point, they haven't understood the rules of that game yet of entrepreneurship. But the way they can learn that is leveraging the bridge to entrepreneurship, which in my case is building a side business. And while yeah. you are building that, you are learning that game until you're ready to, to make the leap. Talk to our audience about the importance, even if you decided not to go down the path of building your own business. From your perspective though, Mark, talk to our audience about why you should even pursue building something that that you've you've created, leveraging your ideas, your skill sets. Why do you think it's still a, a good thing for for that person to go and try out in their lifetime? So here's, here's the one thing. There's two questions I, I love to ask a lot of my clients. The first question is, you know, especially if they have an idea and typically they may have some degree of experience around it, but especially if you have that burning passion, you know, I just hold this belief of like, um, 
with whatever it is that you do, I love to ask clients two questions. First one is, are you good at what you do? And typically it comes from a place of like, I know I'm great at what I do. There's a lot of people who know how to deliver, but don't know how to increase visibility. And the second question I asked is, if you know you're good at what you do, does what you offer transform lives? And the answer is yes. The problem that like I see a lot of people do is they get stuck in their head. And the reality is there's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of people in pain. And you may be the person that has the solution to their pain. But we get so wrapped up in our heads that we don't take action on it. And therefore, that opportunity to help someone else and alleviate their pain, you deny them of that, especially if you have the solution. And so there's this element of this that for me is it's very like, like it, any entrepreneurial journey, you're going to have the, the self-talk that's going to be like, why am I doing this? This Is this a waste of time? You know, I like I've had that like, why am I qualified to do this? I'm not qualified. And then I have to ask myself, am I good at what I do? When it comes to building out experiences, I know I'm good at what I do. And does what I offer transform lives? I've seen it again and again and again. Therefore, I think I have a responsibility to help those who um, are in pain and are looking for a solution. And right now in this world more than ever, that's a big part that I would just say, if you have it and you know it's a solution that can solve problems, pursue it. And sometimes no one may able, be able to see it, what it is, and you can try and articulate. But I've learned time and time again, although you may not be able to get them to see it, take the steps to show them that. And once they get it, they'll never forget it. And that's exactly like any business I built has been on that element. Um, but that's, I mean, that's really where where my head goes with that question is um, yeah. stop getting in your way and start thinking about the impact you could have on other people who actually need your help. And for all of us, they're out there. You know, um, I I personally believe that 10 years from now, uh, it started already, but I believe that 10 years from now, um, corporate America is going to be in a challenging situation. And here's <laughs> why I say that. Um, I have looked at so many different things. I, I come from a learning and development background in corporate. So I, I, I tend to look at, uh, I loved your, your point about even just the, uh, people being able to actually complete courses and different things. And I, I think about corporate game in a sense of like that course, right? Like how, how does corporate get people to complete the corporate game? Right. Um, how do they, how do they keep people engaged? How do they continue to, to, to focus? And I, and I say they're in trouble because I think not, not about just the, the add on of technology and the ability to be able to do more as an individual, um, there's no more gatekeepers, right? But I think it's the fight for talent. Mm. And I think it's about the fight of talent that is not just uh, do as we say because we're whoever as a company, but the fight for talent in the sense of the 15-year-old today, the 19-year-old today, who is got access to the technology, who can... Uh, who who knows it understands it in a in a very different way even maybe you and I do right has it has a different lens on it. It's not that they're not employable, but you have to be attractive enough for them to see themselves want to be there. How does Mark view the future of employment to corporations? And what would you say like if you were sitting in a room with you know the big four CEOs and and they said Mark tell us. Tell us what do you think we should be focused on now so that we can win the talent game in the future? What would that be from your perspective? And it's interesting. It's such an interesting question because the disruptions is not only happening with employment, 
it's happening with education as well. Um, and now, like, uh, I think back to elementary school when I had to read Huckleberry Finn, and like, we would always try and like cut corners by uh, buying Cliff Notes. Do you remember Cliff Notes? And you can read like the abridged version and quickly get there, and or you could watch the movie. But now we're getting to a point where people, students, can go to ChatGPT and type in the same exact questions that are being asked on whether it's college admissions or whether it's uh, answering questions on that term paper you need to write. And all of a sudden, a lot of these things that we had to use a lot more brain power, we now are using a lot less brain power for. And now it's thinking about the application of AI and seeing where that evolves to, which will be incredibly disruptive to the workforce. So this is where we're hearing this term of the rise of like the prompt engineer and a lot of other unique roles because certain roles are going to be found obsolete. I mean, we are already starting to see it with design that I can go into a mid journey and type in a bunch of words or even chat GPT now, and they can produce images. So something that an artist needed to take time and days to do, we can have in seconds because uh, that, and that's going to affect the, not only education system, because right now we're already facing people walking to middle school or high school classes, knowing more than the teacher who's been teaching the same curriculum for decades and now they're disrespecting their teachers in a way because they know more than the teachers and the teachers so set on doing the way that they've always done in the past. So you're seeing these generations all come together. So, you know, it's going to be interesting in terms of the future of employment. Um, people are already starting to talk about you're eventually going to have these solopreneurs or teams of under five people that are now running these multi-billion dollar companies, which we would never think about that in a way to say, the leveraging automation in a way will redefine um, what it is. I'd like to hope in some degree, um, just as someone who is a recovering um, uh, corporate employee, and I say recovering in the sense of like, we didn't work a nine to five. It was like, like a nine to five to me in the world I came from was like a pipe dream. Like I can leave at five. That sounds amazing. It was like a nonstop 24 seven I remember when my phone would vibrate on a Saturday, I'd be like diving for it to seeing what the email is because I was such a slave to that. I'm hoping that there's an element of balance of uh, people being able to tap into a little bit more personal time and really exploring what it is that they're really excited about because so many of the current systems are so legacy. They're so old school of how things were and how they operated in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, but haven't really been disrupted in the way that we're seeing now. So I don't, I, there's, there's elements that I, I am curious, and I think it's a fun conversation to have to say, where's the future of employment going to be? But the biggest thing with future of employment is we've already seen what is it like? I never thought we live in a world that um, the future of employment could be a hybrid between working from home and working in the office. Employment for me growing up was always going to the office. So now we're seeing that shift that's happening and it's working and people are finding the happy equilibrium. And now you bring the AI technology on top of it. Um, it's just going to be such a different game than what we've been able to see. So I don't know. That's where my head goes right now. It's not really a great, great answer other than I'm just as curious as you. <laughs> just see how things <laughs> yeah. are going. But talk about disruptive technologies. The disruptions are changing the game. At the beginning of this year, I wasn't talking about ChatGPT. That just wasn't in my vernacular. And then now it's almost like you can't imagine can't doing anything without yeah. brainstorming a little bit and leveraging it. And we barely have scratched the surface. And between a, a global epidemic, which I never thought I'd ever lived through, and now artificial intelligence, oh gosh, the future of employment is going to be 
it's like, I don't think it's ever going to go away, but it's definitely like in terms of the skill set that you need, the skill set's definitely going to evolve. Yeah, it sure is. Um, well, listen, Mark, I, I want to say this, um, before you become like the, you know, the world famous, you know, box a tier and have your, <laughs> you know, uh, medallions from all over the world. I, I just think you're incredible. I, I think that your story is yet to be told because you, there's still a lot being written about where you are right now. But I think what I, when we first talked that, that evening at, at Fun Hacking Live, I, I think what I was more blown away by is how just aware you are of where you are, if that makes any sense, right? <laughs> like, like most people sometimes uh, are just, they don't have the awareness of like, they, they think it was like an on and off switch. And you're like, no, I actually, this this kind of sucked for a while. I had to figure this thing out and I've, oh, I've yeah. dealt with some of this, you know, and still dealing with some of it, right? But I just I just appreciate your honesty, the way you uh the way you've shown up and the fact that I've never heard somebody say this, but I like the fact that you see what you do and can leverage that corporate mind state of being world class. I ain't heard anybody say that it was a recovering employee, right? Like like and the fact that you even that you even see it that way, um, it shows up in all of your work. It shows up in what you're doing. But I also just think I think about the the, the for, for you know ten years from now, um, where where you're gonna be. I think you'll you'll be able to always point back to 2016, 2017, 2018, and go, yeah. If I hadn't made some of these tougher decisions, Man. I don't think I would be experiencing what I'm doing. So I just I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you being a voice, especially to to those who who uh, listen to our show for sure. Um, uh, I'll leave you with the last words. Any quotes? Any any book recommendations? Any steps? Any uh, anything from your world? We'll leave you with the last words. That's amazing. And Chris, um, I am so glad we've been able to build this relationship. So, and I appreciate you so much. So, please know the feeling is mutual. Um, really, the the last words that I have to say is that you know if you see again, I can't stress the importance of like. It's okay if you see something and other people don't see it. Part of our role as an entrepreneur is to wake them up and get them to see it. And it's okay if at times you feel like this is a lonely journey. The biggest thing is I did not know all the answers or see all the pieces. And I'm still learning a lot of the pieces. It didn't happen overnight. None of this ever happens overnight. I mean, for me, I was joining and doing research and exploring this realm even when I was in a corporate job that by contract, I could not have a side hustle. Everything I produced, Deloitte owned in and outside the firm. It's just a means of how they protect themselves because you get exposed to so much information from the clients that you work with. But um, part of it was just being in tune and recognizing, am I seeing signals or signs? And I'm a guy that came from a world that's all about the data, but I was noticing that things were happening that like made me realize how off track I was. And even when there's highs or lows, like in that entrepreneurial journey, as long as you hold true, the impact that you want to have, for me, it's been like like such a fun roller coaster that I look back and go, how did I get here? And it happens so fast. It happens like before you know it, but like this is where owning the quality of product and not necessarily emulating someone else's game, it's okay to like learn from them. But stay true to your own values as you go through this, because I think that has been a game changer of saying people know I'm not here to play a short term game. That's for that quick cash inflection. I don't care about the short term game. I want those long term relationships and partners. And it just starts off slow and then it starts to build. So that would be the last thing I'd leave for people is just, you know, and have fun. Like this process for me has been like 
the weirdest, weirdest journey, but I've had a blast um, because it's so in tune with, you know, what excites me. Absolutely. Well, listen, everybody, you guys heard it here first. I told y'all I try to bring you conversations that are going to be helpful to you. Something in this conversation, you guys know I'm always going to challenge you. Take massive action. Today's Massive Action Monday as as a result of recording this episode. And you guys know I want you to think of the next (laughs) step. Don't worry about the 10th one. What are you going to do right now as a result of this yeah. conversation? Are you going to take what Mark said? Are you are you going to say, you know what? I love the questions that he asked. Hey, am I good at what I do? And does what I do transform lives? Hey, you know what? You probably have something, right? Yeah. And so I would highly suggest what is the next step? You guys know social media on the Facebook group. Uh, send me your, you know, your thoughts. What are you going to be doing this week taking massive action on how are you going to take the conversations from this converse, uh from this interview today and go do something with it thank you all thank you guys for watching thank I you cannot wait to see you in the very next episode take care everybody and guess what on the next one we're going to have another great conversation and we'll be back again next week thanks everybody hey somehow you were able to find the grow your side business podcast and i thank you i'm glad you're listening you've been sharing you've been liking but here's one thing i want to be able to do we want even more people just like you to find this show now the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review so if you would do me a favor leave a review it literally takes five seconds we're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platform so it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast just go in tap in leave us a review i would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it let's get back to the show say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.